dear Heavenly Father, you have invested so many good things in our lives. And sadly, we have repurposed them. We have uh, taken the goodness that you've shared with us and we've used it for purposes other than uh, the reason you gave it to us. And I pray that we could seriously think today about um, redirecting our lives by um, using your investment in us for the purpose you gave it to us. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. The Gospels don't tell us who owned the donkey, but they do tell us that no one had ever ridden on it. It was a young animal. And Jesus said to his uh, two of his disciples, you go into the city, and when you get in there, you'll see a donkey tied up to a gate. I want you to loose that donkey and bring it to me. And Jesus said, if anybody asks you, what are you doing? You simply say to them, the master has need of him. And so the disciples went and got the donkey and they brought it to Jesus. And one of the disciples put their jacket over the donkey and Jesus sat on the donkey and started to make his way into Jerusalem. It was the Passover feast and the city was packed with people. So a parade formed around him. Some people behind him, some people in front of him. The people in front of him were spreading their clothes on the road. Or they were cutting palm branches and laying them on the road. And the crowd began to chant, Hosanna, Hosanna to God in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this parade made its way through the streets of Jerusalem until it came to one of the gates that went to the Temple Mount. And at that gate to into the temple, Jesus got off the donkey, and the gospel says that he just looked around. sent the donkey home and with no no fanfare at all he walked back and spent the night in Bethany but the next morning he had a purpose he wasn't just meandering into the city and he just wasn't sightseeing. What he saw in the temple 
at the end of the triumphal entry filled him that night with genuine anger, holy anger. And the next day, early in the morning, he walked directly to the temple and he did the unsinkable. There was a section in the temple that the chief priest had uh, taken over. It was supposed to be a place that was open for people to pray. But the chief priest had confiscated it and turned it into a place where they could make money. Instead of the place being designed the way it was supposed to, they had repurposed that section of the temple and they were using it to sell sheep for people to sacrifice and oxen. And they were using it to sell pigeons. And there was a large table there because the priest had another scam going. The only money you could give to the temple had to be in temple shekels. And so people brought all kinds of money and they had to have their coins changed into temple shekels. This temple was almost undescribably beautiful, except for the priest's market. I don't know if you've been on a farm lately, but wherever you keep a lot of animals, it doesn't take long for it to begin to be a little cluttered, could we say. And this section of the temple had become an eyesore. And it wasn't being used for the purpose God created it. And Jesus went to the temple that morning and he found some uh, strands of rope and he tied these ropes together and the Bible says that he drove the ones out of the temple who were selling these animals and he tipped over the table that they were changing coins on and uh, he... Um, he turned over the chairs that uh, the people who sold doves uh, sat on. And the disciples remembered that the scriptures said, the zeal of my father's house has consumed me. And then Jesus said loud enough for everyone to hear, my house is to be a house of prayer for all people, but you've turned it into a stinking flea market. You can't imagine how that enraged the chief priests who made all kinds of money at their little market. You can't imagine uh, how uh, angry they were. The Gospel of Mark simply says, they were so enraged that they called a meeting together, and in that meeting they said, this is the last straw. Now Jesus has to die. And this is just days before Christ is crucified. 
I wonder if you've ever let that story challenge you personally. The old has passed away, and Christ has made all things new. But in Christianity, we learn that we are the temple of God. There's not a temple in Jerusalem made with uh, beautiful white uh, limestone and uh, uh, golden ornaments. The new temple is the human soul. You are the temple of God. And I wonder if you were to look in the courtyards of your heart, would you find a market similar to the market that the chief priests created in the original temple? Have you taken part of yourself and repurposed yourself to do things that God never designed you to do. To live in ways Christ never uh, uh, planned for you to live. I wonder, I wonder, what kind of market might you have set up in your soul? I want to ask this in another way. The reason the chief priest uh, abused the temple that way was it made them a lot of money. It made them a lot of money. What if I were to ask you this morning, in your heart, have you taken the best that God has done for you? the best that God created you to be? And have you used it only to make money? There's nothing wrong with making money. I love money. Uh, it comes in really, really handy. I'm going to get gas after church today, and I just hate to see that ringer going around and around and around. All right. There isn't anything wrong with making money. That's not my point. My point is... If I repurpose my life, if I repurpose everything God has, good, has done for me, and I only use it in selfish ways, I'm not the temple Christ wants me to be. Do you see? If you take the best of who Christ has made you, and you only use it in, a, uh, in, in the American economy, and none of the best that Christ has made you to be ever gets invested in a higher purpose, in a more noble cause, we have become the chief priest and the Pharisees, and we are misusing the temple of the living God. Can you see that? There is a higher purpose for your life. Make all the money you can. God bless you. But you, it, you, you exist as a temple for a higher purpose. There's something that God has created you that makes you better than other people. And that has to be in reinvested in God in some way. 
everyone in this room and everyone watching online. We live for a higher purpose, and that higher purpose is taught to us by Jesus Christ when he said, I come to do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Uh, you might say to me, uh, Doc, I don't know what my higher purpose is. Uh, it's really not that hard. We can make it really, really simple. Your higher purpose is to love your family the way God wants them to be loved, not the way it's easy for you to love them. I wonder, I wonder, are you taking the temple in which God dwells, and are you using it for another purpose? Instead of being the person that God wants you to be at home, you repurpose yourself, and you are the purpose, you are the person you want to be at home, instead of the person God wants you to be at home. I want to talk to some of you who have uh, uh, you're, you're wrestling with the temptations about uh, not being faithful to your spouse. Could I tell you, uh, it's more than just about a human affair. That's something between you and God. Your temple is not to be used in that way. Uh, you are not your own. You've been bought with the price. You have to glorify God in your body. Do you see? If I think I can cheat on my spouse and be all right with God, I am doing the very same thing to the temple that the chief priest and the Pharisees did to the temple in Jerusalem. I'm defiling the temple. Listen to me carefully. Your purpose isn't that hard. You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Every one of us run into people every day and it's God's purpose for us from time to time to somehow or another be a blessing to those people. You see? It do, it's not rocket science. When God places a needy person before you, I can tell you it's his purpose for you to help them. Can you hear me, church? God has blessed us He's given us uh, the privilege of living in the United States of America. We all have uh, 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 ridiculously uh, 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 blessed lives compared to many people in the world. And that is the temple riches he's given us so that we can do his purpose and help people that he places into our lives. Every one of you know things you're intelligent in unique ways. You have life gifts. You have things that set you apart and make you better than others. That is a divine investment in you, and it's part of God's purpose for you to use that to help others and to make his kingdom and his church thrive in the world. Can you hear me? Some of you come here every Sunday, and you hear me challenge you about uh, serving God in some way. Uh, listen, uh, you are his temple. He has made an investment in you. And he has every right to expect for you to use that investment in some way to advance his church and his purpose in the world. Church.
uh, uh, we have uh, uh, we have a almost endless variety of things you can do. Uh, 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 we serve in in a, a, a ridiculously broad way. There is something that you are gifted and you can do in giving back to God uh, what he has invested in you and functioning as the temple that he wants you to function as. There's another part of this story. Jesus didn't just drive out the people changing the money and the people selling animals. Uh, Mark also tells us that business people were using the temple as a shortcut. The temple was supposed to be a holy place, but to walk all the way around the temple mount added to the time it took to get around Jerusalem. And so what they were doing was, instead of going around the temple the way they were supposed to, they were carrying their loads of stuff through the temple because it was a shortcut. They could cut off a, 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 a long part of the route by just cutting through the temple and carrying their burdens through. And Jesus stopped them and said, what are you doing? You can't be hauling this stuff through the temple. That's not what this temple is made for. Uh, your shortcut is uh, displeasing to God. I wonder if we'll let that challenge us. Have you made shortcuts for yourself? Have you made shortcuts in life for yourself? And you, have you done it at the expense of being pleasing to God? What do these shortcuts look like? Here's what they sound like. Doc, I'm just too busy to volunteer right now. Okay, that's a shortcut. Do you understand that? You're not too busy. You're shortcutting God so you can do something else. That's a shortcut. Uh, I, I hear people say to me all the time, uh, you know, I'd like to pray to. I'd like to pray more, but uh, uh, I just don't. I don't have the time in the morning. I, 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 everything is so hectic. Is it possible that you're shortcutting? Is it possible that you think not praying in the morning is a shortcut to get, help you get stuff done and, and uh, 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 be about your day more quickly? And really, it's just uh, you're deceiving yourself. It's a shortcut, but you're robbing yourself of, the, of, of touching God every morning and being empowered to live the life he wants you to live. Church? Is it possible, is it possible that the burdens you are carrying, you may be able to put them down if you would stop shortcutting God and let him have his rightful place, his rightful say in your heart and in your mind. I would like to um, look at what Jesus said. 
He quoted Isaiah 56, 7. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all cultures, but you've made it a den of robbers. One more time, if I compare myself as the temple of God to the temple Jesus Christ was talking about, Jesus said one of the most important things about the temple is that it is a place of prayer. When you look at your daily practices, when you look at, at, at your daily lifestyle, uh, when you look at what gets time from you every single day, is prayer on that list? Are you a house of prayer? In your inner self, are you a house of prayer? Christ said, my temple is supposed to be a house of prayer. That's why the Apostle Paul says to us, pray without ceasing. Because there's something about the human soul that thrives in the presence of God. All right, pray without ceasing doesn't mean you can't do anything and we all have to be uh, monks and live in, uh, in um, monasteries. But what it does mean is that your heart is touching God throughout the day. As you live your day, you find yourself saying to God, I got this hard thing coming up, would you please help me? Uh, as you're living today, you say, God, I'm starting to feel really annoyed and I, I, I want to be a good Christian, would you please help me? Or something good happens, you okay, dear God, I see that as your kindness. Thank you so much for that in my life. And we become people who have an ongoing conversation with God throughout the day in our hearts. We become <clears throat> what Christ said the temple is supposed to be, a house of prayer. Uh, not just a house of prayer for certain people, but a house of prayer for all cultures. Some of you are saying, you know, Doc, you're a pastor. It's different for you. Uh, you can you, uh, look at my schedule sometime and see how different it is uh, for me and you. All right. Uh, uh, listen, my house shall be a house of prayer for all people. This living in a prayerful relationship to God, it's not just for me as, as, as a pastor. It's not just for our elders. It, it, it's not just for the super religious people in our church. Listen, it is a house of prayer for all cultures. No matter what defines your culture, no matter how you've organized your life, the, the, the call of God to you is still for you to be a person who takes prayer seriously and engages in it throughout your day. Is it easy to be the temple of God? No, I'm going to say it isn't easy to be the temple of God. Ah. Uh, 
we talked about the temple yesterday when we studied uh, the book of uh, Revelation together in a seminar. Uh, the temple was one of the most beautiful places in uh, uh, that whole region. It was built on a mountain. Uh, Solomon, uh, uh, 960 years before Christ, put up stone walls around Mount Moriah, and then he leveled the top of the mountain. So that created the temple platform. And on that temple platform, he built a beautiful white stone building. Uh, 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 the Babylonians destroyed it in 586. It was rebuilt uh, by uh, 516, but it was, it was a shadow of what it had been. And then about 46 years before Jesus Christ, Herod the Great um, put a whole lot of money in and they completely rebuilt the temple. And it was breathtakingly gorgeous. And people would give uh, 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 donation plaques to it. And on that beautiful white stone, there were golden donation plaques. And uh, it could be seen from all around because it was on a high spot. A and uh, everybody who saw the temple felt special. It was beautiful. Do you know, we're supposed to be a beautiful temple to God. We're supposed to be a beautiful temple to God. I don't mean everybody has to look like a movie star because then we're all in trouble. Well, not all of us, but most of us in trouble. I'm not talking about the beauty you see in the mirror. I'm talking about the true beauty of the heart. The what it's like to be around people who are beautiful souls. They're just delightful to be around. It makes your life rich. You, you, it, it gives meaning to you. you. You are glad that you know them. All right. We are supposed to be a beautiful temple to God. We're supposed to be more than just religiously doing our duty. There's supposed to be a beauty to our lives. When people are around you, it's supposed to be a breath of fresh air. There's supposed to be something of the kindness of God about you, the goodness of God about you, the grace of God about you, the love of God about you. And when we are this beautiful temple that God created us to be, uh, people see the glory of Christ in a way that they can't see it in. The temple was beautiful to glorify God. Christ is making us beautiful temples so that we can glorify him. It's part of our purpose in life. Would you say that your family would, uh, if your family had to characterize you, would they say that you are a beautiful soul? If your friends had to characterize you, would they say you are a beautiful soul? If your co-workers had to uh, characterize you, would they say you're a beautiful soul? You see, we cannot repurpose the temple and use it for something other than what God created it to be. And you were created to be a beautiful soul. 
You were created to share what is ever beautiful and glorious in the nature of Jesus Christ with people around you. That's the purpose for your temple. I would like to share one other idea from this story. It feels uh, self-proving to me that uh, Jesus had every right to uh, purge the temple. It seems self-evident to me. He is the Son of God. The temple was built to glorify him. Uh, it was really his temple. He had every right to purge that temple. He had every right to go into that temple and say, you're not using this for the purpose that I gave it to you. Don't you agree? Do you agree that the same Jesus Christ has every right to purge our temples? Is it his right to say to us from time to time, you've cluttered your soul. You've cluttered your soul. You've cluttered your mind. You've cluttered this life I've given you. You've got yourself uh, uh, thinking about things that really aren't important, and you're not thinking about the things that are important. You're loving stuff more than you love people. You're organizing your life in a very selfish way, and Christ comes to us from time to time, and he says, I'm going to purge the temple today. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to ask you to rethink the life you're living. I'm going to ask you to rethink what, what, what do you want to accomplish with your life. I, I, I'm going to ask you to rethink what is valuable to you. I, I, I'm going to ask you, uh, uh, in what ways are you lifting the souls of people around you? And Christ meets us in the quietness of our soul, and he says, today, there are some cattle here that I have to drive out. There are some sheep here that don't belong here. There are tables, and you've collected stuff on these tables, and they don't belong here. And today, I'm asking you to let me purge your temple. When Christ comes to purge your temple, do you have an open heart? Or do you find yourself something like the chief priest and Pharisees and you start saying to Christ, "Who? this is my life. By what authority do you tell me that I can't do what I want? When Christ comes to call you to be a better person? Do you hear a voice in you that says, ah, ah, you're asking for more than I want to give? Church, is it possible that when Christ comes to the temple of our souls and he says, there are things here that don't belong here. And I'm asking you 
to let me push them out. Do you have a heart that submits to him and says to him, ah, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way? Or do you find something like the Pharisees and you begin to be annoyed with God because he's challenging you about things you don't want to be challenged about? Church, can you hear me? And the chief priest and the scribes heard it, and they were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him. Because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. Here we are again. This is the third time in this sermon series that we have come to the point where what Jesus did ended up being astonishing, amazing. I want to say again, uh, it's part of the theme of this sermon series. When Christ has his best work in us, he makes us astonishing people. When Christ has his best work in us, we live astonishing lives. When Christ is doing what he most desires to do in us, we end up accomplishing astonishing things because it's all part of Christ helping us renew and reinvent ourselves. You are the temple. You are created by God to be a place where prayers ascend to God all the time. You are the temple. You are created by God to show his beauty and his majesty to the world. You are the temple. You are God's partner in being our dear Heavenly Father. One more time, we see the beauty of Jesus Christ. We see him in action. We see him making everything better around him. And now this morning, I open my soul to you. I invite Christ to come to my inner self, into his temple, and to purge away whatever he finds uh, unacceptable. Uh, I invite Christ into this church and I invite him to purge away whatever he finds unacceptable. I pray for everyone who's here and everyone who's watching online that this morning Christ would pass through and as he passed through, he would uh, uh, purge out all that does not belong. And he will replace it with the beauty and the majesty and the dignity of his own soul. And I pray that all of this would be pleasing to you. In Christ's name, amen.